Welcome in to another new podcast from Codings Pro Magazine. I'm your host, Ben DuBose, news editor for the AMP Publications team. Codings Pro has its annual concrete supplement coming out in December 2022, both in print and digital form. The concept of the concrete supplement is very similar to what we do each year with our targeted niche supplements for steel, roof coatings, equipment, and surface preparation. The idea with each of these supplements is to really dive deep into that particular market and explore some of the key trends to watch out for over the coming year. Conceptually, what we're trying to do is give a holistic overview of what's going on out in the marketplace and ultimately help you all as our listeners improve your bottom line. For these deep dives and the editorial articles that they ultimately feed, we conduct interviews with coatings industry experts throughout the value chain, from contractor to manufacturer, and all sorts of vendor specialists in between. You can read select quotes from these interviews in the upcoming supplement articles, but for those who want a more comprehensive look, we're going to be playing back the complete interviews through our Coatings Pro podcast channel. With that in mind, let's roll the tape. Today, we're joined by Jay Allred, architect and engineering business specialist at Coatings Manufacturer Rustoleum. Jay, thanks for taking the time. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I uh, can't complain at all. And I think a good place to start, if you could just explain some of your industry experience, certainly your current role now with Rustoleum, but going back even further than that, if you like, and also uh, some information on your certifications, basically just an overview of your time in the industry. Um, I started at 19, uh, took a part-time job driving a, a paint delivery truck for the old Decatrend local grinder in California. And uh, when I figured out I wasn't going to be a professional musician, uh, moved into the store, became an architectural rep, and then a sales rep, and then an industrial rep, uh, worked through Sherwin-Williams and a few companies, and um, ended up selling paint from... Central America to Canada and all kinds of different sorts from offshore to containment to nuclear to all kinds of things. Um, my current role now is I call on uh, architects and engineers. Uh, I teach and train and try to educate, uh, help get us specified, of course, um, come up with solutions for for uh, hopefully uh, alleviating long-term problems or even short-term problems. Uh, I'm an ACE Level 3 inspector and have been for quite a while. Uh, I'm an SSPC uh, concrete coatings inspector, uh, Level 2, and uh, I recently got OSHA 10 certified and currently studying for my CDT. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. I really enjoy my job. I travel from Denver to Honolulu, uh, kind of wearing all kinds of hats uh, every day. It's kind of It's kind of nice. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. What's a typical, and I know obviously there's variance, but what is a sort of day in the life for you like in your current role? What are some of the issues that you help Fristolium with? Um, I Well, I spent the last three weeks kind of rewriting a, a presentation uh, okay. for continuing education units, uh, a presentation that needed uh, some uh, some rework uh, on how to how to treat concrete, um, kind of a flooring addition. Um, updating some standards and some numbers and some data uh, talking about different things that have uh, kind of arose even through pandemic and the way things change um, so i've kind of worked on that in, in the time of still doing regular calls on architects and engineers and taking problems and uh, uh, problems that arise with a rep or a project you know i i i 
uh, try to get involved into um, complaint resolution, all kinds of things. So it, it, it keeps me busy and it's a lot of fun. So let's talk about Concrete in particular because this interview is for our upcoming Concrete supplement in Codings Pro. And so what we're doing for that, as we do for a lot of these supplements, is talk to various industry experts to sort of pick their brains about what's going on out in the field, the observations that they've noticed and their job. And of course, we use that in what's called our Roundup article to sort of give a 30,000 foot state of the industry view of what's going on out in the marketplace so that contractors and others really throughout the value chain reading can hopefully take uh, some lessons learned as they move forward with their prep for the coming months and really the following year. We released this in December, so we're talking about what's going to be potentially uh, hot button issues in the calendar year 2023. So to start off, when we're talking about concrete, what's really unique about coating a concrete substrate relative to other things like steel or a roof? Because at Coatings Pro, we cover all three, concrete, steel, and roof. Here, we're talking about coatings for concrete. So in that context, uh, what are some of the unique considerations that a material manufacturer like Rust-Oleum or a contractor needs to consider when they're looking at a concrete substrate? Um, well, and I'll, and I'll say, I'll add right there, it's not just the contractor. It's also the specifier, the owner, or, or mm -hmm. whoever's working on it. Um, yeah. There's considerations for it all, right? So we're, I mean, I think number one is protection, right? We want to protect a roof. We want to 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 make it last. Um, there is some beautification there, maybe not as much as steel, right? And then we want to beautify some steel. We also want to protect it, depend on depending on what the service is. When you get to concrete, um, I think there's a lot more um, depending on the service and what its intended use is. Because look, you know, if we need to dissipate static electricity. We can do that if we need to identify and, and do markings for safety, if we need to brighten a floor uh, for safety, right, to kind of help the lighting. Um, if we need to uh, put a very hard coating down to make it gloss so it's easy to clean, if we need to beautify it, if we need to provide some slip resistance for safety. Um, you know, we always have to consider the end goal and what its intended use is, but I just think there's a lot more. There's a lot more things to consider versus steel and roofing in that question, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Especially in kind of kind of now where, where there's a lot of beautification and there's a you know a, a, especially residentially is is pandemic made everybody do the garage floors and and patios and different things mm -hmm. and and people working on you know bars and restaurants and things like that. Sure. From your perspective as a material manufacturer. Can you give us something of a big picture view of what the concrete coatings industry is like at the moment and specifically some of the trends in the marketplace? When we're talking about the, the various technologies that are out there, what are you really seeing or hearing as you know key areas of emphasis when it comes to uh, coatings for concrete? I think and this is going to be my opinion and some people may disagree with this but i think there needs to be and i think there is a move to move away from epoxies uh, okay. for a variety of reasons uh, right now is because of of uh, supply chain issues number one for and for various reasons of supply chain getting it here making it getting raws um, all kinds of things right um, mm -hmm. the cost has skyrocketed which it's still probably the cheapest material to make but getting it has been very tough 
um, when I teach a class and we talk about it and, and contractors, uh, uh, owners, everybody needs to understand that, you know, if you're doing a three coat epoxy system, you know, we're talking about two to three days of drying time. So there's time and, and time and money is everything. So I think there's a more of a move to, to quicker dry systems like polyaspartics, one day systems where you can, on smaller areas, you could prep and two coats, beautify, make safety, do all kinds of things in one day. And so I think there's a move away to that into hybrid systems, polyureas, polyaspartics for floors that kind of move away from epoxies, a um, little bit more expensive and tough to swallow for some people. But uh, when you look at uh, cost versus time and things like that, I think there's a move away, kind of getting away from epoxies moving forward. Are you seeing clients that are maybe more willing to invest? When I think moving away from epoxies, that's one of the, the the real challenges is that, you know, epoxies can be one of the more cost efficient solutions and some of these other technologies, you know, clearly there's a higher upfront investment cost. But of course, the flip side of that is that you get more long term value out of some of those. So are, are you seeing or hearing more stories about people being more open to, you know, investing more on the front end for hopefully, um, less concerns on the back end, that sort of thing? I think the big part of it is uh, in all of this is education. And yeah. there is um, there's a piece still missing is, is there is many of us that want to educate and help, but I still go into so many offices and talk to so many people, even owners uh, at the end, end users, the architects, the engineers who just don't know. And when you enlighten them on hey, uh, cost versus uh, time and things like that. When you start talking about labor and staying off a floor for three days and sometimes four days, right? When you could cut that in half or less, you know, and they start thinking that and doing that calculation, well, then it starts making more sense. And then you add in, hey, well, you're gonna get UV resistance up against your windows, you know, all kinds of things like that you can add in, then it starts making sense to them. And then they, once they have that knowledge, then they can educate down the pipeline, their people to their owners and who they talk to, and, and hopefully that starts working kind of to help that process along. What feedback do you get from some of your clients and end users, people these days that are looking for these coatings to actually apply in the field. We talked earlier about some of the investment considerations, but in terms of like the actual application when it comes to especially some of these newer technologies, uh, what are you hearing from them as far as like their needs and their challenges? I guess this question is more on like the applicator side as opposed sure. to the owner of an asset. In terms of application, what are you hearing as far as uh, needs and challenges? Um, I think the need and the challenge, look, if we're talking about polyaspartics and these new, you know, we say new gen, I've been around, I've been in the industry now 38 years. So um, polyaspartics came up for me a long time ago. Um, are they new to some people? Yeah, when you talk to them in a presentation, some people have never even heard of them. There's still people that haven't even heard of urethane concrete. So, um, when you talk about those kinds of things, the challenge has always been dry time, right? It dries too fast. Um, the, the cool thing about chemists these days, they understand um, the needs and they listen. They listen to us, they listen to our contractors, and they listen to sales reps in the field, and they're always striving to make something better, right? Um, and, and, to, and to make all the characteristics a little bit better. So I think everybody is doing a good job, not, not only us, but all the paint companies are doing a good job at listening and making products 
um, that are more user friendly. So I think the big challenge in, in in those to answer that question is is you know it's it's in the application on drying too fast and making it look nice um, and having the time to do so. And I think that's getting I think that's getting better and better every day. Does that have any ramifications as far as like the I guess the equipment involved? We talked about the materials earlier and some of the trends there. Is there anything different in terms of like the equipment when it comes to actually applying and installing some of these systems? I, I don't think so. I think it's okay. just I think it's just um, it's allowing them to use their equipment uh, better, right? It's it's easier. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's a change in equipment um, if we're talking about, you know, gauge raking a floor or or back rolling a floor or spike rolling a floor, whatever, you know, we're talking okay. about here. I don't think there's anything different in the equipment. Okay. So what are some of the other motivations besides cost when it comes to sort of the evolution of concrete coating technologies? Clearly, over the last decade or so, you've had new rules when it comes to uh, industry standards environmental regulations, uh, new safety protocols. How has that influenced some of the changes that you're seeing in the concrete coating marketplace? You know, there's a strive to go green, right? Everybody Mm -hmm. wants uh, HPD documents and lead and things like that. Um, You know, regulations. I grew up in South Coast, right? So we got it first. There are still some people in in um, people that I know in in all kinds of companies and friends that you know from previous companies that still don't even understand. Excuse me, you're using coatings at this VOC? Yeah, it's you know. Um, and I and I say this in presentations when it comes up, especially in other states that don't have the rules we have. Um, you know, I was around when we were tinning 400 VOC alkids and 500 VOC alkids. And I, when South Coast pushes to 250, um, it, you know, it was a struggle. I think as um, as a as a chemist friend of mine put it that I worked with. Um, as as the shopping cart opened up and there were more things to buy and put into the shopping cart that we could use, things got better when we went to 100 and even better when we went to 50. And now there's this array of zero VLC coatings that were just getting better and better and better and better. And I think the rules, which I think for the environment and everything else, which makes everything better, and I think it's a great thing to strive for a greener place, um, is making us uh, do our job better to make the coatings work that way. And I think they're working better, and I I think it's a good thing. Have you seen any impact from some of the changes to concrete composition? Is that influencing any of these standards or these trends? I don't know about comp- uh, composition. I think the 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 biggest worry um, and comes up in class a lot is workmanship, right? And actually mixing and how it goes down and the lack of testing or understanding of testing uh, of a substrate or, or 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 concrete before you know we coat it. You know, a lot of people just don't understand what it's supposed to be before you know as even as far as preparation go or 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 what the tensile strength is supposed to be before we even touch it um i i think a lot of it is workmanship um i haven't seen you know personally any changes in composition that have affected anything moving forward um there are you know certain things that we deal with you know every day with spalling and 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 all kinds of things depending on weather and 
thermal cycling and all kinds of things. But as far as composition wise, I haven't seen anything that's changed what we do. In terms of things that are in the pipeline, what are the technical considerations that you have to go into when you're talking about developing a material or some sort of technology for a concrete substrate? What are the qualities that you're looking for in the developmental process when you're looking to come up with a new coating or a new line, whatever it may be, just at a very high level? What are you looking for technically, the properties? Well, I would say as green as possible and, mm. and zero VOC. I'm not really at the at the level where I'm in the development that, you know, I, I kind of gather some information for people. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I could answer that question perfectly. Yeah, um, no, I'm just speaking generally. But but generally kind of taking into consideration what the needs are and, and the needs are always for uh, ease of application quicker, please. Um, with still keeping our ease of application and making it zero and making sure that it meets all our standards uh, and even, you know, standards that, you know, we may not even have yet, you know, kind of looking into the future and saying, hey, you know, in 10 years, we may be at this. So let's develop this, you know, now. And, and I think um, there's probably been a discovery you know, in, in everybody's labs of all kinds of things we may not have even seen before that, you know, everybody's had to scramble, right, to reformulate a lot of stuff uh, during the supply chain issue. And we may have discovered some things that we didn't know that we could do. And, and I'm hoping that kind of helps that, that piece. Mm -hmm. Do you see any shifts that are coming to any of these dynamics over the next, I guess, five to 10 years? Or is it just going to be sort of an acceleration of some of these recent trends that we've been discussing and if you do see any shifts uh what are some of the things that rustoleum is or should be doing to i suppose prepare for those changes i think as far as we go we're preparing for that because you know we are putting stock into the polyaspartics in in the new gen coatings not moving away from epoxies you know the projection for growth is is huge right we're supposed to be for for floor coatings in the US it's supposed to be 1.25 billion in to, in 2025 right so that's 3.3 annual growth between you know from 2020 which was 1.06 and the fastest piece in that are one day floors if we kind of break out the data and one day floors are polyaspartics that's you go in and you grind and you know a lot of that is garage floor and front of house in some places, chipped floors, um, metallic floors, things like that. You know, patch and repair is really huge. Um, so I think it's trending towards fast, be faster, be faster, be faster, be faster. So I think we have to move that way with the market. If the numbers are saying, hey, the biggest piece of the money is right here, you know, that's where everybody's probably moving because I'm sure everybody's looking at those numbers. But the problem still remains at this moment is we look at all these numbers and go, wow, this is the fastest. This is this has the most money over here. The demand is still exceeding the supply chain. So we still have some some hurdles to jump. For sure. Jay, I think this is really good insight for anyone that wants to learn more from you or Rust-Oleum. What's the best way that they can uh, access more information? Basically, tease to the company website and anything else you think our listeners might want to know. Yeah, they can go to rustoleum.com, jump on the architectural page, 
Um, there's a map that will come up. There are uh, four of us on my team, and there's a map that will list us out in the states we cover. Uh, feel free to reach out, and if you have any other questions where you need a local rep for something or anything, we can, can totally direct you to that. If you need help with specification review to problems on a job site or recommendations, uh, you need a class for lunch and learn CEUs, anything like that can be found right through there. Perfect. Sounds great. Folks, that is Jay Allred, Architect and Engineering Business Specialist at Rustoleum. This is where we will break for today. If you want more information from our end at AMP, just visit amp.org, amp.org, or our publication websites, codingspromag.com for Codings Pro Magazine and materialsperformance.com for Materials Performance Magazine. For Jay, I'm Ben Dubose. Thanks for listening, and please come back soon for another new AMP podcast.